you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next and they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy Ice Cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. Yo, what up? This is Manny Digital. Uh, and, I, and I have to say, I'm, I'm a little uh, excited. Actually, no, it's bullshit. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, I got somebody that, I mean, most people in New York City would consider a legend. Most people in the NBA would consider a legend. Uh, people in the Bronx, for sure, consider this dude basketball royalty. Um, he's a member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame. He's played 17 seasons in the NBA. He went to three different high schools before landing at DePaul University, killing over there. He assisted John Calipari with a few Kentucky Wildcat teams. He's a Gaucho's product, product of Mitchell Houses in the Bronx. Today with us is the legend, Mr. Rod Ooh Ooh. Strickland, <laughs> what you know about that? Come Ooh. on, so we're gonna get into <laughs> yeah, that. You gonna did your research? I'll be trying over here. Yeah, man. you hit me with the ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what yes. up, Rod? Man, welcome. Man, thanks for having me. Yo, man. you look good in that dripping down t-shirt. I like it. I like right, it. I'm, I'm right. walking out of here with a lot of gear. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> um, for those that are listening and don't know, um, it's it's our our we try to make sure that our guests get a little memento before they leave. Now, t-shirts are. The norm. Everybody, well, not everybody, but most people will get a T-shirt with a logo, whatever. Um, we give only our guests. We give them honoree type hoodies. So I say that because on the hoodie it says "honored guest." There's a patch on it. So if you see anybody walking these streets and they got an honored guest dribbling dimes hoodie, know that it's official. Uh, I wish people would be knocking them off. That means I got somewhere. <laughs> but right now we're not there yet. Um, so like I said, um, ooh ooh. Ooh. Let's start there. It's crazy. Um, I gave you that nickname. I don't know if people call you that, but I know that's something that you consistently have done. And I think for a long time, you probably didn't even realize you I were didn't. doing. Can I you didn't. take us through how that came to me? If you're talking about going to the basket. Exactly. So Rasheed Wallace was one of the first people to tell me he that I was doing out. that. On Area 51? Was that where you found, found out? No, okay. I played with Playing. Paul. I played, see, people, I, I went back to Portland one year. Okay, yeah, I remember that. So after I left D.C., I went back to Portland. Right. And Rasheed Wallace was on the team, and he used to always mess with me about that, you know, going to the basket. Ooh, ooh. But I, like, I never realized I did that. That's some playground shit. Like, <laughs> I, you know how, um, maybe you did this back in the day, but, like, me growing up playing ball, like, I would, like, slap my hand mm-hmm. myself when I'm shooting, mm-hmm. right? Like, like backward shot, like, right, oh, like right, I got fouled, right. right? But you, I would always go, ooh. Like or ow or whatever, right. like to, to call it out, to practice for the ref or what have you. You it seemed like you was anticipating contact even if you was yeah, nobody was there. I don't know. Like I can't <laughs> call it. And and now that you say that I'm trying to figure out if I did that when I was younger. Okay. Like I, I just I, I didn't know that. that like was just it something was that like, came up. Ooh, ooh. I I'm still trying to figure out why <laughs> I did that. Like I can't even call it. <laughs> Yo, so take me back, right? Um you grew up in Mitchell Houses, you've been playing up. ball. 
probably since you could walk, right? Yeah. And you grew up playing with with Dedrick. Dedrick. Well, his Dedrick. name is Dredrick. Yeah, yeah. That's I what, call that's what him confuses Dedrick. me. Yeah. No, and I've messed other people up because they'll call him Dedrick, and he's like, no, I'm Dredrick. It's Dredrick. 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 I got to ask him like, what yeah, that name came yeah, from. Yeah, it's But I, I call him Dedrick. Okay. Like, I've never called him Dredrick. Well, that makes sense because you guys yeah. met early in life, yeah, so yeah. it was much easier yeah, to say Dedrick. Yeah, I cut <laughs> his name, sliced it a little bit. So y'all grew up together. And by the way, for those who listen, it's Dredrick. Right, yep, Dredrick Irving is who we're talking about. We'll get into his affiliation with other things, but right. for now, you guys grew up together, yeah. and from everything I've read and understood, you guys uh, amongst a group of folks, mm -hmm. but you two seem to hit off really early and then play together for a really extended period of time. Yeah, Was he kind of your running mate early on? And yeah, it's, it was a group of us. Okay. You know, it was, Dredrick is Todd Joy, Saeedim, my brothers. I mean, it's a whole neighborhood full. Got it. Uh, and we all just hung around, played basketball, hung around the neighborhood, cracking jokes in front of the gym. You know, we all went to PS 154, mm -hmm. uh, which is right down the street from Mitchell Gym. Yep. So we would come from school, go to go to after school session. You know, they do some homework. Back when after school centers were after, actually yeah, active yeah. and doing things. And yeah. we would go there. We would watch the older guys play. Uh, we would want an opportunity to play with them. Uh, you when, know. when you say the older guys, you were so you were in elementary school. I was in elementary. You talking about junior high and high schoolers, right? So my brothers, okay. right? So you know, I I, I wanted to play basketball because I wanted to be like my brothers. Mm. Like you know, they were the two coolest dudes to me so you know i wanted to be like them and their group of okay. friends yep uh and we watched them play all the time obviously we played in our age bracket but it was always like how do we get on the court with those guys uh so yeah, hmm. yeah. and and so back in the day it was commonplace to take your crew mm -hmm. and go to different neighborhoods and, and ball Right, definitely. You grew up doing that. As a matter of fact, you was doing that even as a pro. As a pro, why? Yeah. Did so, your agent not freak out and was like, "Yo, chill, you you gonna jeopardize all this dough?" No, see, it was different back then. Yeah. Uh, I had so Michael Jordan was the only player in the NBA at one time that had for the love of the game in his contract, mm. so he could play wherever he wanted to in the summertime. That was baked into his deal. That was a big deal. Like most players didn't get it. I mean. So I had that same thing in my contract. Get out of here. So I was one of a few. Even so, wait, from jumps? Like when you signed with the Knicks? Well, it didn't. I don't think that happened with the Knicks. I okay. think it was a little further, further down, down, maybe a couple years, a few years down. They were probably I played anyway, though. Right. Right. So, so I guess, you know, as you your stature yeah. goes up, then it becomes an issue. So I had that in my contract. Mm. So I was able to play anywhere I wanted to. So just like when we were younger, we would go to neighborhood to neighborhood, did the same thing when I was playing. So we had a group of seven guys, you know, uh, Dredrick, yep. <laughs> Dredrick included, and we just would go neighborhood to neighborhood, and we got next. And, That's you know, we jump on the court, <laughs> and we, you know, try to keep beating guys so we can stay on the court because if we lost – we were coming off the court. Right. And so I'm not going to play with the next team. Right. No, you can't so with your crew. Right. So we got to wait. So we made sure, or, you know, a lot of times we won. Uh, but to me, that was like, and I tell people that all the time, now that kept my competitive edge. Mm. Right. Because this is, you know, New York City, one thing, like New York City raised me. So when you stepped out on the court, not only did you have to win the game, 
you had to win the battle, right? right. So that one-on-one battle, because otherwise they're going to talk about you all around the yeah, city. Yeah, you get smacked in the hood. Right, so yeah. imagine as a pro, you know, oh, so yeah, I had to had, be on my A game right. all the time, and I think that helped me uh, competitive-wise. Uh, did, did it ever come to a point where you got embarrassed as a pro no. on these streets? Never. Right. <laughs> no. I mean, you wouldn't tell me anyway. Would no, you? no, 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 no. I would tell you. I, <laughs> okay. I promise. I remember one time, this is high school, like a guy, Gerald Green, he went to Seton Hall. They were in a championship game that one year. I think they lost. But he, I remember coming back from Oak Hill yeah. and playing in the Golden Hoops, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He just murdered me. Like, it was bad. Right? And wait, so you, okay, you weren't okay. But I was in, time. right. So that was, but as far as playing in the NBA, no, I don't, I don't recall that. Yeah. You, so you were, and this is widely known across people, your contemporaries, um, people you play with. You were one of the more well-respected dudes when you was on the court, right? Um, and I mean, it's, I think it's a little obvious when you watch how you play, because you didn't give no fucks. You were <laughs> the biggest competitor. You you dished, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. all just about you, but yeah. don't sleep. You you put points up real Definitely. fast. What do you think was the biggest, is the biggest reason why you get so much love and respect from, from your contemporaries? I, I, I think because I always played hard. I competed. Uh, and I think I just went about my business, right? So I think, you know, they knew what you see is what you get. I think I was always authentic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I think they respected that. How much of that do you think is just innately you from the Bronx, like your upbringing, innately. the way you carry yourself? I definitely mean. innately from the Bronx. Yeah. You know, because that whole crew, like if you go down the line, Dedrick, you know, my brothers, uh, my other friends around us, like we're all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Like what you see is what you get. Uh, not a whole lot of playing games. Right. You know, straightforward. Uh, and always just try to treat people the same way you want to be treated unless otherwise, you right. know what I mean? But that's, we've, I, I think we're all like that. Okay. Yeah. That's dope. Um, so 17 years in the league, that, no matter what era, that's a hard thing to do, right? And, you know, you played for like six or seven teams at the end of it all, but yeah. you stayed with... Before you do your, you did your research. Come on, this baby. I'm not, the, I, I'm not trying to waste your time. I don't want you over here like, uh, uh, repeating the same shit. I'm going to fast forward some things. Yeah. Um, but you spent significant chunks of time with some, you know, some teams. So right. San Antonio, unfortunately, the Knicks... Right. No, it didn't happen, and that hurt me. But, right. but that didn't hurt you. Um, it made sense, right? Yeah. Uh, which to this day, you know, there's there's a whole um, strategy when when teams draft, and it's like take the best player on the board regardless right. of what's happening. Yeah. Mark Jackson was, I mean, coming off an amazing rookie season, yeah. rookie of the I year. I got caught up in that. Right. Take the best player. And and you guys made it work that first year you were there, mm-hmm. and then second year, mid year, you know, they they sent you packing. But, um, well, actually, I. Oh, you okay? That, so See, I didn't know this. <laughs> you, you were like, I kind of, yeah, I kind of no pushed that forward. And did you, did you say, yo, San Antonio? Or no, I just, didn't know where. Okay. I actually, we were on a plane, and they pulled me off the plane to tell me I got <laughs> traded. So, yeah, I was on the charter, and it was like, yo, yeah, we were on our way. Wow! And they came and got me. I got off the plane, told me I was traded, and I was on my way to San Antonio the next day. Like immediate, so. You got your chance to grab a few things, and then you was off. I was gone. How how does that work? Because you hear it often, right? You experienced it probably a few times in in this fashion. Mm -hmm. You you get notification. You got 24 hours to get to your next destination. 
how does that change your life, right? Because you got to move on a dime. You got all this shit you got to worry about at some point, mm-hmm. probably in the off season. How do you deal with all that change in such a short yeah. amount of time? I, I know some people say, you know, it's kind of awkward and everything, but for me, it's never been like that. Okay. Like when I when I was when I was told that I was traded with the Knicks, I was excited because I was ready to move on. Yeah. So next day, let's go. Uh, I'll never forget when I was in Washington. Actually, I was at a friend a, a friend of mine's son passed, mm. and we were all at his house after the burial and everything, and we're sitting around talking, and some kids run up. You got traded. You got traded to Portland. Just, I mean, to Washington. Oh, they ju- we just heard it on ESPN, right? So I go, you know. So that's uh, real shit. Like, people yeah. actually find out that way. So I run in the back, and I hear, you know, I'm being traded to D.C. I had no clue. And actually, when I got cut from Houston, mm-hmm. it was a phone call. I, I heard that on my answer machine. Wow. You know, it was like we made a, 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 a accusation. A, a, acquisition last night and so you've been affected by it so basically yeah, HRE of them like, basically we, keep we don't need your services anymore <laughs> yeah. and I was on my way out of my house my kids were there mm-hmm. I walked out the house oh I see y'all when I come back from practice walked to the elevator checked my phone and heard the message so I had to walk back inside wow. and it was Jeff Van Gundy who was my guy? I was hot. I didn't speak to him for about four years after that. Yo, <laughs> and, cold, and speaking of Mark Jackson, I called Mark on the way back from the elevator to the apartment. I called Mark, and I must have cursed Van Gundy out for like <laughs> 30, 40 minutes. Mark just was listening. To me. He was the, the shoulder to lean yeah, on. Yeah, he that was moment. listening to me. But I, yeah, I mean, I'm that's sorry. tough though. But that's also like the twilight of your career. You're yeah, approaching yeah, that that yeah, side of things. Yeah, yeah. Was that? Were you conscious of like, all right, the the, the thing happened, you mm-hmm. get cut, but did it dawn on you maybe a little bit after, like, yo, it's, I'm kind of approaching the end, so yeah. maybe this is yeah. what I should expect? No, after that, that actually, I called and reached out to Jeff Van Gundy, okay, because I wanted to apologize, oh. like for not speaking to him for so long, yeah, because me and Jeff Van Gundy has always had a great relationship, mm-hmm. so really it was business, and yeah. he made the right decision, but when you're you're you know, in when it. you're in it, you still feel like you have something to offer. You still feel like you're better than you probably are. Yeah. And I so, mean, up here, you always the man, right? So to get to walk out the door and get cut over the phone, you know, that was like, you know, probably insult to injury. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's for business, and you know, he did what he had to do. And and I realized, you know, you step back years later. I'm coaching, and I'm sitting to myself like, yeah, you was a bum. <laughs> That was that was, was supposed tough. to happen. It was time. But then you got to turn around and face your family. Well, that was that was the part too. I had to walk back in the yeah, house. You know, tough. but my, my kids were little house. at the time. Right, I had to walk back in the house. Yeah. So that was that was awkward. That how, was awkward. how was that though? How was that exchange? Was it like because you don't you're even hot. remember. You like, really that's why you blacked out. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> remember. Like now that you say that, like I don't remember walking in the house. I don't remember having a conversation. Yeah, I don't even remember that. So, yeah, it was tough. It's tough, and it was tough because the next day, you know, the realization of it's over. Mm. Now, what you do? That was the hardest part because I'm not usually. I'm going to the gym. I'm you know to either work out 
in the summers or whatever, or I have my routine, you know, as far as going to practice right. during the season, season. And now routine. I don't know what I'm going to do. So how how do you, and we're going to be all over the place, which is yeah, fine. That's fine. The, the transition, right? I know I speak to folks who play professionally overseas. And, and if, I mean, for somebody who's played in the NBA, that's like the, the luxury, mm-hmm. you know, opportunity where you got folks riding buses professionally in other countries. Yeah. Y'all again the the top of the top, right? As yep. far as everything goes, to have to transition out of that life, what what's going? Because I could I could totally sympathize with somebody that loses their shit. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I can I can understand how that happens. Because imagine you growing up your entire life being Shemoja. touted as the man, yep. and you had a hell of a fucking run in the league. Yeah. Now what do you do? Like, tell me how that went for you. Well, it was tough. Because, uh, like I said, after that, the next day, you know, comes into your mind, like, what are you going to do? And I remember going back home. I remember being in the house. I remember being downstairs in the movie room, all the lights out, you know, the screen on during the day. Mm. Right? Because you don't know what to do. I'm waking up. It's like, where am I going? You know, the kids are going to school. My friends are, you know, they work. So it was just awkward. So I called one of my friends and I was like, I need a job. No, no, let me let me backtrack. I was gonna say the next day. That's yeah, no, fast. let me backtrack. No, no, no. So what I did was I almost went to Lithuania, I think it is, with Sabonis. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll so I almost Sabonis. went with because I wanted to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So I had an agent. I don't I don't remember all how it transpired, but I I I was ready. I committed to go to Lithuania with Sabonis. But I got to back up. Previously, I had told my kids that I knew it was coming to an end. Okay. So I told them. I might have told them that year in Houston would be my last. Okay. But I got this opportunity to go over to Lithuania, and so I took it. And I remember telling my kids, and they were crying. Like, they would get up in the morning. They didn't want me to leave. Because they figured, this is the end. We're going to get daddy Yeah, now you're leaving. You're going over the water. Tell me, I'm sorry. Did Arvidas Sabonis have anything to do with that? Yeah, he was the he, he, was, the, he was the owner. Oh. So I played with Arvidas. Yeah, yeah. So right, he was happy to have me. Oh, wow. They actually, uh, they they were going to have this tour. We was going to travel all over. Like, they made this big deal about me coming over there. So the day I was supposed to go, I was already feeling some kind of way. My kids were feeling some kind of way. I'm a finicky person. Like, you know, my surroundings, I need to be in a comfort zone. Solid, yeah. Lithuania is different, mm-hmm. you know. Then I got a call from my guy, Harvey Grant. Yep. And he started telling me about what he heard over in Lithuania, the food and, you know, whatever. <laughs> so now I'm getting a little <laughs> nervous. <laughs> so I actually, like, after that conversation from Harvey, I actually said, I'm not going. Wow. And, and so my bags were packed. Somebody put them in the car for me and everything. And I was like, no, I'm not going. Oh, so it was literally the moment you were Yeah, I was out. supposed to go. I was supposed to get in the wow. car and go to the airport. And so, and to be honest, I don't know if I did it the right way. Yeah. But I don't even know if I called them right away. Mm-hmm. So they were waiting for me at the airport and all that. Yeah, they had all this stuff oh, yeah, prepped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Damn. I couldn't, like, I couldn't pull it off. So then I almost played in Puerto Rico. No way. Yes. After you went through that experience, you was like, you know what, maybe I Because I still wanted to play and it was close. Right. And so to be honest, they 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 gave me a number that they were supposedly going to pay me. Uh-huh. And it was pretty decent. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And then they came back and tried to make it lower and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. Like, I mean, not I'm not 
no disrespect, but I'm not going to yeah, yeah, Puerto Rico. I don't need to do that. And you're going to, you know, just nah. treat me any kind of way. Right, right, right. So, I'm right, goddamn straight. I'm, I'm right, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I had to give him a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't do that. So then I called someone and I was like, I need a job. Like, I have to do something. Like, this is not, you know, this is not going to work. I'm going crazy. Right. Then the opportunity came up in Memphis. Memphis. And so that started my college uh, coaching career. And and so was that through Calipari or was that in some other way associated with Memphis? Well, it was in other ways, but... Uh, but, like, you, you already had an established rapport with, with John. I knew him. Okay. Right? I don't know how much... I knew him. Okay. Uh, and obviously he knew Actually, no, I knew him, right, because he had a, a player, I forgot his name, at uh, UMass that was having problems while I was in the league. So he he had me call him, talk to him. I went to UMass, so I probably know who you're talking about. It's the about. guard. He was really good. Trapezo? Mike, Mike something. Hmm. No, but he was a guard. Okay. He, he was really good. Uh, and then Cal tried to trade for me when he was with the Nets. Uh, and I think I had my... I think I was going up to his camps at times, too, mm-hmm. with a mutual friend. And, uh, you know, someone made a call for me, and he decided, you know, he said, come on, come on and, and be a part of the staff. Uh, I, I think he was a little leery at first, you know, but then he said, let's do it. And I went there and, you know. And you, were, you weren't necessarily an assistant coach on the no. bench. You were doing some operational work, right? Yeah, I was – I forgot my title. So it's funny because when I first went into college coaching, no pros were doing that. Oh, really? People don't remember this. No, nah, I don't. But there was there were no pro coaches. They felt like that was too much work. Like that was almost beneath Got it. The, a pro guy to do. You had Danny Manning in it. Mm-hmm. Kansas. But after that, I mean, it, it was me, maybe, maybe someone else. Uh, and so I was in, I forgot. I had Danny Manning. To be on the court, he had some title of manager okay. in his uh, in his job description. Right. So Cal just followed that. So I was able to be on the court. Okay, but I had some like, other, player other development. Duties. But right, got it. And then I graduated to basketball operations. Then we went to Kentucky, and I became a coach. And then I was associate head coach. I mean, not associate head coach, uh, special assistant to the head coach. Yeah. And then I went to uh, USF and was assistant Red coach. Tigua. Yeah, over there, my Saint yeah. Raymond alum, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go back a little bit. Okay. So I mentioned at the open, <clears throat> you went to three different high schools. Yeah. A lot of people don't know you went to Rice. No one knows. You, you start well. They do now. All the millions <laughs> and millions of the dribble yeah, and dime fans. Like, um, so you went to Rice, and and I find it very interesting because I I look at and tell me if I got any of this wrong. You get there. You expect to play at a much higher level than what they allow you to play, right? Mm-hmm. To me, and and hindsight is twenty twenty. They probably yeah. should have let you play Voss immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you're if you're in a coach's position, the the odds are you're better off having the person develop from the freshman year mm-hmm. with the freshman team, and then maybe bump them up to mm-hmm. to Voss, mm-hmm. so you can get a good look and have them get a, a feel of the system, right? right? I'm of the mindset that I agree with that, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Now, you took it in your own hands at some point, second year there, yes. and you was like, you know what, I'm done. And I'm sure there was a tiff with the coach, et cetera, but like, you jumped to go to the next school because yes. you was like, I need to be at a higher level. Yes. Take us through how that all went down. Well, I was at 
Rice. I had a really good freshman year. Uh, and then I started out my sophomore. sophomore year, and I was playing really well, like putting up a lot of points. And, you know, it was uh, it was kind of easy. Hold on. You finished freshman year. Right. You, you did the freshman thing. I did the freshman year. You get to your sophomore year. Was right. your expectation, yo, this is going to be, because you killed in freshman year. All right, they should be bumping me up when I get to the no, sophomore year? Okay. Because I knew the rules. It okay. was freshman, JV, then varsity. And that was made clear to you? That was clear. Year. Okay. Right? So that that was clear. So, but as I was progressing like that, I just wanted a different challenge. So, you know, I inquired about being moved up. Uh, they they was like, no. So I said, That's well. That's not how we do things around here. Right. And I said, well, if I don't move up, then I may leave. You threatened them. Kind of. Something. <laughs> so at some point in time, they let me come up and practice, right? Because they were like, okay, we're going to do it. Oh, try you out to see. If well, they kind of was like, it was a done we're going to do it. You right. know, I, I won't say official. I won't. You got but, the feeling like it was almost in the back. Right. Okay. So I went up, practiced with the, with the varsity, played really well. Uh, and then the next day, they basically said, we can't do that. Like, we can't just because you're threatening to leave, we can't move you up. Yeah. And I was like, fine. I had a bunch of detentions anyway, so I was like, <laughs> fine. That's okay. It was too rigid a program anyway for you. Man, you sit in a uh, classroom, chew gum. It's like detention. You know, you're talking. It was the, when I left, I might have had about <laughs> 30 detentions. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, you got to stand up in a, in a cafeteria for an hour after oh, school. Oh, that was detention? That was detention. Yeah, that shit's... Brutal, yeah, miserable. <laughs> so I had I had a bunch of them. <laughs> when Wait, I left. So you just would pass. You wouldn't do. You wouldn't do your time. I, to be honest, I don't know how did it, how it got up, and, and I'm probably exaggerating by sure, thirty. Man. But I had, some, yeah, I, had, <laughs> I, I had some. Knucklehead ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had some. I'm just telling you. So, so uh, you know, I decided I wanted to leave. And then I want to say that I went to a Truman game. Because one of my best friends, I'm telling you about that group, Tyrone yeah. Joy, okay. played at Truman. So I remember going to watch them play. They were playing Taft at Taft High School. And i never forget the feeling I got. Like I was watching him warming up. You know, he was kind of the leader. He's the guy coming out with the basketball. You know, they dribbling around the court in the beginning. You know, they going they through the all routine. this. They got the routine. They had the cheerleaders. Like everything was, everything was just in sync. And I was like, wow. I want to be a part of that, yeah. you know. And I remember telling him, I want to come to Truman. He's like, oh, you do? So he, he basically put it in motion. Right. And he told the coach. Uh, but I had to convince my mother, you know, that was the hard part. Mm -hmm. And so because I was doing well in Rice, right? Like academically. I, as, academically. Yeah. And before that, I, you know, I was up and down. Okay. You know, oh. just because I, I just never put forth the effort. Right. You know, I didn't like school. So at one point in time, I went with my sister. My mother sent me with my with my sister for a year. Where was your sister? She was up at uh, Cedric Avenue. Oh, okay. Uh, so still in the Bronx. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I lived with her for a year, and and got my academics better because my sister's religious. She don't play. You know, I had to come upstairs when the lights were. You know, yeah, when it was getting sun dark. Was setting, like you I had to yeah, You know, I'm. A lot of things I, w I wasn't used to. <laughs> yeah. but so she was kind of like a second mom to an yeah, extent. Yeah, for, for the, that year. Right. Yeah, yeah. So after that, I went to Rice, and I did well academically. 
But I just wanted, uh, basketball-wise, I wanted a different you challenge. There was more you could get out of Yeah, that. so uh, Ty put it in motion. You know, I made the change. So Wait, your mom had to sign Right, off. right, right. That, my bad. No, so, no, so my mother, I, I spoke to her about it. She, she really didn't want me to do it. So she said, okay, let's go to Truman, and we'll go meet the coach. Now, this is the kicker. The coach that went to Truman is the coach that wouldn't let me play varsity in Rice. So it wasn't Lapis. No, 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 no. Oh, Lap left. Oh, no, before you got no, there? No, I'm tripping. I'm okay. You played with Lap for a little bit. No, I'm I'm all ahead of the, it's okay. the thing. Yeah. It's, this is so, what we do, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't went ahead. That's the story of me leaving Truman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, but I went to Rice and I, re, I mean, uh, Truman, Truman, and I remember Ty bringing me to Truman and Lap looking at me like this little skinny kid, like Lap. He ain't know. He ain't know. Yeah, his first. His first thought process was like, oh, you know, he don't look like kid, he don't do much. Kid. So I had to sit out the first few games. I remember sitting on the bench and I'm watching, you know, because they rocking. Mm-hmm. Same kind of routine. The crowd is going crazy. And I, I had to sit out the first few games. And, you know, people saw me sitting there. They didn't know who I was. Right. They just knew I was going to play. And then my first game there, I came off the bench and – I'll never forget, it was the patent, show right, finish left, move to the basket, and the crowd went crazy. Like, that was kind of like my introduction to Truman High School. And, you know, after that, it was just probably one of the best basketball times of my life. I can imagine as a fan watching that and the adrenaline just spiking. Yeah. Your first moment there, like, that's like pretty significant proving moment in your, in your career. Yeah. How were you? What was your emotion, the level of emotion at that point? Well, I'm always like this. You're even keel. So I know. I'm never. I know. I'm, I'm surprised never. I got a few laughs out of you yes, already. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I'm always like this. So you're not going to get like a super rise out of me. And so. Son, I would have done cartwheels back and I can't do none of that. But I, they would have came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you I, was I, just like, yo, this is a regular day. I, I always felt like I'm not. Because if I'm playing well or playing bad, I don't want you to figure that out. Uh, okay. I don't want you to see any distress or anything like I want to feel like I'm always in control mm-hmm. so I've always tried to stay even kill so inside you know obviously yeah, you I'm like yeah jumping. let's go you know but outside outwardly you, you're not gonna get much of that right and where does that come from because I know growing up especially in your era late 70s 80s growing up in the Bronx competition was I mean people was out in the park not like today you yeah. weren't and then next was like yeah. if you have to wait for a next after you lost yeah, you you probably have to go home because there's so many necks. Definitely, right? you have to be. I mean, obviously, you 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 became a very crafty point guard. But in order for you to stay on the court in the Bronx, I'd say damn near anywhere, but specifically in the Bronx, you got to be able to do more, do a lot of things, right? What was what was your recipe to be able to like maintain a next? I'll tell you that right away. I learned right away, real early, that. Number one, you had to make sure everybody was good. So everybody as the, was eating. As the young guy on the team, you had to make sure you give you pass the ball. But what if you had a bunch of bums that couldn't shoot? Well, well, if I was playing on the older with the older guys, okay. usually they were. Okay. You know what I mean? They were they seasoned. Were, 
Right. So they were pretty good. So I made, because I tried to get on the court with my brother and them, like specific okay. guys. I'm not with just yeah, any yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. So it was making sure you made them happy, kept them happy, and then you had to win. Those are the two things. If you did that, come on, shorty. You, you know what I mean? Right. Come on, I got shorty. Because they know I'm going to pass them the ball and we're going we're gonna to have a chance to win. So that was, those, was, those were the two things. And it's kind of like if you go up, my career, like, that sustained me. Yeah, that's been consistent. Because like you said earlier, it didn't matter whether I scored 30 points or 8 points or 16 assists or 5 assists. I didn't really care. I just was about trying to make the right play on the basketball court. Right. And making an impact. How do you you've, – you've had the opportunity to coach. Um, you're involved in the NBA with players, training them, doing all sorts of things, right, um, at all levels. You have your, your tournament that you do with Kyrie Irving. Yep. What is the fundamental difference that you see with the current present-day basketball player versus when you came up? Like what do you think is like the major difference in, in these kids? I think, it's, again, it's two things uh, – I don't want to say this, but the adults, right? And while well, the street, the, the adults, the business. Uh, when you say the adults, you mean the people around? The yeah, athlete? meaning the coaches. Got it. I mean, it's just different and nothing like disrespectful, no but it's just different, right? Because <clears throat> when I grew up, the coaches were kind of like mentors and they kind of were coaching to show people they can coach. Okay. You know, now it's a business. So things are different. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's agendas at times. It's just different, right? You know what I mean? So and these days, you being you trying to exhibit that you're a great coach almost doesn't mean that much, because you typically you're gravitating toward a very talented individual who's gonna make you shine regardless. Right. So your IQ as a coach te- tends not to matter as much, so long as you have that connection with that superstar that's coming up next. Yeah, because a lot of times that's what it is. I mean, well. When I grew up with the Mitchell Bullets and the Gauchos, we came up from 10 years old, 8 years old, 9 years old, all the way up to 17 years old, mm-hmm. you know, till you're graduating from high school. Right. You know, now there's players that are just going from team to team, just finding that pocket, and nothing's wrong with that. Right. But there's but a it's sense just of different. consistency that you used to have. It's just different. Now it's all it's just different. We used to practice more. You know, these teams just kind of gather guys together, and they play, yeah. you know. And then uh, I think when I grew up, I didn't know I was a pro, right? So I, I went through these stages. I didn't. We didn't have all this hype, right? So you it never wasn't knew. That instant gratification. It wasn't that, that instant now. gratification. So I always had anxiety. You know, am I good? Because you know, you don't have the world telling you how good you are. Yeah. So I had to like. The attitude is different. You know what I mean? Now but you had you had a lot of that though. I mean, through your stages, you had people looking at you like you were the second coming of Jesus Christ on the basketball. See, I don't, court. I don't remember that. No, right. Okay. So that's the funny thing. Okay. I always tell people when I played for the Gauchos or the Bullets, uh, the Mitchell Bullets, I, I, I probably was the number one, two, or three player on the team. But no one made us feel like that. Like you knew how good you were, sure. and you knew if you were better than people. But my surroundings, like my neighborhood. You know, they used to beat us up. You know, the young guys go play against the old guy. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, smack you up. You right. can't. You can't. You, you can't, can't beat them. <laughs> but you can't beat them. You may play three on threes. You know what I mean? So you right. never knew your potential. Your potential. You just knew you was growing. You was getting better. Uh, 
So I think it's a different mindset. Uh, now it's kind of kids are kind of giving it, giving that attention so early right. that sometimes it, it distorts reality. I, I'd say a lot of times, especially when you think about it from, you know, at their age, right? Yeah. You got, and God bless them. Like I always use Zion Williamson as an example. Mm-hmm. Like he had so much attention on him at such an early age. Yeah. And from the looks of it, I mean, he's handled it, he's handled it phenomenally. Yeah. But that's got to do something to a, a child in, you know, he's a teenager. And then you get all this attention now and you, you're in the league, all this money, everything is heightened by yeah, so tough. many, so many multiples. I, I don't know how you're not like the cockiest dude on the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he seems like he's a humble dude from what he gives out, yeah. but that he's like the exception. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, 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 there's humble kids out there, you know, it's always both sides, sure. but it's hard. It's hard. It's very it's hard. Difficult. I mean, you know, social media, and like I said, sometimes uh, reality gets distorted because you may not be as good as you think you are. Right. Right? You may have some room for improvement. And if you get so much attention earlier, can you have a real understanding of that? That's very difficult. Right? And I feel like sometimes when you're in that, that, that mindset, well, now when you hit adversity, it's harder. Because now it's like, how do you handle that? Because I'm good. It's your fault. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... But I've 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 seen humble kids. I've seen kids who handle it well, and you know you see the other side of it too. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. It's not easy. Yeah, it's, it's not be easy. Hard. So you you were talking a little bit about Truman. So you get on the court, you're doing amazing, from what I understand, and then it comes. There's a wrinkle in the the latter part of you being at Truman. Mm-hmm. Is that your senior year at it Truman? It was after my junior. Yeah, after we won state championship. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So you you on this high winning the state championship and now Lapis is getting an opportunity to go Villanova. Yes. Enter enter yeah, the, that, the, that was the, the next key. change. That was the key. You know, I was very, very comfortable with Steve Lapis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just won City and State Championship. I was looking forward to the to the next year because I had a guy named Arnold Bernard, mm-hmm. Arnold A Train Bernard, if you don't know him. I don't know. He was tell us. Yeah, well, he was one of the best point guards in the city. He was a younger guy, uh, so he would have been my backcourt partner. Okay. Uh, he actually played for the Harlem Globetrotters, but he was really good basketball player. Like he's known around New York City, okay. and so I was looking forward to having that opportunity to play with Arnold. But Lap went to went to uh, Villanova. Villanova, and so now comes in the new coach. <laughs> And now comes in the coach that coached at Rice High School. so That was getting the ooh-ooh at Rice. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So I was a little uncomfortable with that, but I still was trying to figure it out because, like I said, I wanted to stay in New York. Yeah. Uh, but then Lap uh, found Oak Hill Academy, and he just called me one day and said, I, I know a school might be a good fit. Because he knew that you were this oncoming change was going to be uncomfortable for you. Yeah, he wanted he, the best he for you. he knew, like, yeah, the Lap history. was around me enough right. to understand the dynamics of me. <laughs> right. And so he, he 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 talked to me about Oak Hill Academy, uh, did a little bit of research, and I was like, okay, let's, that, let's do it. So, again, my mother didn't want me to change. 
make purchases. So we sat up all night. I never forget trying to convince her. Who we? You and no, I? well me oh. and me and my mother. We sat oh, up all night debating, and I'm trying to convince her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then she finally said, "Okay, let's go to meet the guy at Truman." Because I was telling her I didn't want to play for that guy, you know. So we went there, and she sat in front of him, and I never forget. He talked about my recruiting and talked about how. You know, he was going to take over my recruiting. And if I can recall, he wanted me to bring my letters in to, you know, kind of uh, figure it out. He administer that for you. Right. And when we walked out, my mother was like, okay, you can go. <laughs> she was like, oh, you good. <laughs> he, he dead on that. Yeah, Keep you good. Pushing. And I didn't like the vibe right. in the meeting. You know, it took me back. And I didn't, it's my senior year. Right. So I had no time to be going be through time. this, you know, this coach is feeling some kind of way. Now he's going to try to treat me some kind of way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got bigger fish to fry. So you, so, all right. So this decision comes down. You're on your way to Oak Hill. Yes. Are you thinking, are you skipping college at this point as far as where you think you're going to end up? No. So you're just thinking the next phase the is next college. next phase. I, I, again, like I said earlier, well, when I was in junior high school and I'm going to high school, I, I know I'm good, but I don't know how good. Right. I go from high school to college. I believe I'm good. You know, I wound up top 10 in the country. Right. But I still. You and you know, didn't it, get the McDonald's All-American Yeah, that was crazy. But, yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> so, but I never thought like, oh, I'm this pro. I'm definitely going to be a pro. Right. So, you know, I, that that took time. You know what I mean? I went to to to, to the Paul. And I never forget, Joy Meyer sat me and Terrence Green down, who was my backcourt partner. Mm-hmm. We were both freshmen. And he said, you two guys can be really special here. Like, y'all can do some special things here. And I never forget walking out of there. I'm like, okay. You believed it. I'm like, okay. Like, you know. But then we played Georgetown. Uh, I think it was early in the season. It may have been the fifth, sixth, seventh game of the season. And I played well. And again, it was the right to left layup, and uh, Al McGuire was like a star is born, and that was the first time in my head where I was like, okay, you I, you I picked up on that pro. quick. My, you know, I can be a pro, uh, and so from then so on, him commentating saying that, yeah, that's when the light yeah, flipped. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And so that was your first freshman year. That was my that was my freshman year. So. Interesting thing. Um, you hear a lot of kids, they come out of high school or prep school, wherever. Many of them have to redshirt, sit out the first year. Mm-hmm. You got right in. So yep. that means your academics were good. Your eligibility was intact. Did you understand the dynamics of all of that as you were approaching college? <laughs> yes, I understood the dynamics. And I think I, I passed with a D. Nah. But no, <laughs> I mean, I think I, you know. I, Borderline. Yes. Okay. Yes. But, I, but I, you I you you knew what you had to accomplish in order to get yes. the opportunity. And that to play. that was my problem back then. I was as far as academics, it was like trying to find a minimum to just get it done. And Got it. you know, now looking back, obviously, you know that that wasn't the the the, the best route. Okay. But fortunately, I mean, in for your myself, case, it worked out. It worked out. But I I wouldn't advise you that wouldn't at all. It. Yeah. So tell me about uh, Oak Hill. At that time, was Oak Hill the Oak Hill we know now? Like how I, I don't know very well the players that have come out of Oak Hill back in maybe before you got right. there in that, that range of time. Like yeah. was it popping like you hear no. now all these studs coming out of there? No, I think I think after I went to Oak Hill that kind of started. 
So you started. Yeah, the, I think if you look at yeah, yeah, the, the quality of and players, the way, it starts yes. to climb after yeah, you were there. It started climbing. All right, so we'll call it the Rod Strickland School of Discipline. Yeah, that's uh, what discipline. I keep telling Steve Smith. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they got to put a picture building. or something up there. Give me a statue. <laughs> so, uh, that's dope. So who was your coach when you were there? Uh, Larry Davis. Okay. Larry Davis. He coached at the. He was just coaching at the University of Cincinnati. He was assistant coach. He's coached in college. Uh, I think he coached at Wake Forest as well. Okay. He was the head coach. Steve Smith took over the next year. But I stayed at Oak Hill because of Steve Smith. Oh. If it wasn't for Steve Smith, I would have left that school. Why? What was his? It was just. It was hard for me. I'm coming from New York City to Oak Hill Academy. Yeah. Uh, Mouth of Wilson, Virginia. Middle of nowhere. Cows and you know whatever. Did you like, cow tip while you was out there? You said what? Cow tip? No, none you of that. Cow tip? Did you of, cow tip in Kentucky? None of, none of that. Come on. <laughs> nah, I'm too much like this for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so it was it was it was a tough transition, you know. And and Steve was working with you, making sure you was. Yeah, good. I would go to his house, you know, cook a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> He had little kids there. I would just stay there, play with them. But he, they, they made sure I had a little comfort, safe zone when I was feeling like I wanted to go home. Mm. And then I also I had the opportunity. I don't know. I owed you all, but thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Okay. No, I'm lying. So you Damn, might I keep not. forgetting. I'm thirty-nine. I just yeah, turned but, thirty-nine. So you not, you may not know this, but there used to be an airlines called People's Airlines. I did not know that. So I thought you were going to say Pan Am. That one I knew. No. So on People's Airlines, it was like. Going from Charlotte, because they would have to drive me two hours or an hour and a half to get to the airport. Get out. But I would go home almost every weekend. Oh, shit. <laughs> because the the flights were only like $37, okay. $28. Right. So People's Airlines, you get on the flight, like you just get on. There's no tickets or anything. Mm. As soon as you get on the flight, you get up in the air, they come around with a cart. And that cart, you pay. Get out of Cash. Here. It's your pocket. No, like an Amtrak train almost. Like they come through and you got People's g- Airlines. Yeah. So I was able to go back and forth like a lot. You try to just be a stowaway on there? That would have been the first thing I would have done. It's crazy though. People's, <laughs> People's Airlines. I got to look them up. Yes. I ain't never heard of that before. Yeah. So so, so you you finish out your year there. And now what, when is it when collegiate – like decision making is taking place because I'm sure by then you've gotten offers and yeah. letters. I know DePaul ranked high on your list just because yes. you grew up watching them. I'm sure, but was that the only school that you were like dead set on if they gave you the opportunity? To be honest with you, that was the school. Okay, like they didn't really even have to recruit me. Like I was, I was a big Kenny Patterson fan. Yep, who's from Queens. I always watched Mark Aguirre and Terry Cummins and. You know, those guys, and they played up and down, which for me, I knew I wasn't a half-court player. Right. I knew I needed to be in the open court. So, And then they played on TV all the time. So they you were on WGN, look. and WGN was nationwide. Yep. So every game I played or every game they played was on national TV. So Pitt, the University of Pittsburgh was my second choice. Mm. And they had Charles Smith. Demetrius Gore, Curtis Aikens, Jerome Lane, like that would have been a really good team. Yeah, there was like a pipeline for a while yeah. from New York to Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, so I, DePaul, Pitt, Villanova was in there. Because of Lapis. Because of Lapis. Mm-hmm. 
And I like Villanova. I like Roly Massimino. Yeah. But they played too slow for me. Got it. And I just didn't want to take that chance. So, you, I mean, you were really analyzing the situation. Like, you weren't being swayed by anything. No. I was too green for all the other things. Gotcha. Like, you couldn't have even gotten to me with anything Got else. It. it was all about how how adaptable it was to your style of play. Yes, and, and I wanted to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be seen. Like, that was the biggest thing. And not and not for the reasons that maybe some kids now, right, might, which is like it, it bolsters your opportunity for, you know, the pro leagues potentially. It was more just like, yo – if I got family in California and like I want I want to be able to sit yo tune in I'm playing. It's like but it's like coming from New York you compete you like playing for the crowd yeah. like that's that was New York. Yeah. So now I want to do that on national TV. You, you know? know when Chucky Martin was on the show um by the way big big shout out to Chucky he's the one that put Chucky us in touch. Um, I love you Chucky. You don't you don't you know right. bro. <laughs> <laughs> um he mentioned how he started playing, like really getting drawn to the game of basketball was in the South Bronx. Like they they used to play at a park right nearby Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. and they would get the traffic from people coming in or out of the game. And so when the when the sun starts to set and the lights are on because Yankee Stadium's always lit up, right. it affected their court. So they would get that, that you know, spotlight mm-hmm. and people would line up outside the gate and that vibe – Playing New for that York crowd City. was everything. It's nothing like it. Yeah. New York, so I remember, I remember West 4th Street. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, is it East Orange in Jersey, though? I remember, you know, the Gun Hill Tournament. Uh, just, I mean, Patterson Tournament around our neighborhood. Yeah, Patterson Mitchell Gym, Tiny Archibald Tournament, the Walter Berry Tournament. Like, you had so many people there, like those crowds and that excitement. You like there's nothing like And back then, you know, that was only New York. You know, that was a New York thing. Yeah. And it just was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. Is do you you've had the opportunity to go around the country recruiting with the teams that you've been a part of. Do you find nowadays, today, you know, do you find there to be parity as far as how people operate in basketball circles like is it relatively the same in the different places around the country i mean basketball is caught up everywhere yeah you know uh whether in the states overseas i mean it's it's global it's different now how do you look at it because by the way let's let's talk about this real quick because you you've taken a hiatus (laughs) from coaching Mm -hmm. and by the way kudos to you because you actually finished and got your degree i did which thank you to me is everything, right? School's not for everybody, but if you get a scholarship to go and play ball, the least you could do is earn that degree. Well, you can rule the world. Like I tell people, like I wish if I could go backwards and just backtrack, you know, being a a talented athlete Mm -hmm. and being educated, like it just opens up the world. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many, because the education, I don't, it's not even always about, like, five times five. It's not, you know, the math of right. it. It's just, like, being able to problem solve, being in an environment, being able to adapt, you know, probably having to conform to things you probably not, not used to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think those experiences are invaluable. Mm-hmm. And if I could do it all over again, like, those were the things that I was missing. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And they so would have carried you. Would have carried slightly you different path. The world, Things would have been right? a little easier, right? Because you kind of open up your mind to different things. You know, I, I'm coming from the Bronx, New York, and I was always like 
that tunnel vision. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to do all this over here. Right. I don't want to be a part of that. This is what I know. And, you know, I think education is a part of, that's a whole part of it. Like, just learning your surroundings, being in different environments, being in with different people, uh, which kind of helps you to aspire to do different things. And uh, so I... I know these days, I don't know if everybody's really into the education as much as they should be, but like I always say, I, I wish one day one of these athletes could be an agent, like be their own agent, right? Wow. You know, I think a lot of times we are so dependent on everyone else, and, and, and that's by design, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's course. by design. And so if you really think about it, if you can have – the nine to five person balance their own checkbook, go buy their own house, go get their own groceries. Like, why can't you do why that? Why can't you? So it's not like it's a hard thing to right. do, but it's like almost people are used to being dependent. And it's used to, okay, you go do this for me. Okay, I got you. I'm just going to play basketball and you guys do everything. Take care of everything And else. I think it's changing. Like, times are different from when I played. People are uh, players are a lot more sophisticated now, but I would love for that education piece and for them to really take that serious mm -hmm. and to be their own entity and to kind of do things on their own because you can do it. Yeah, it's not like you you know if 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 the next person can do it, why can't you? Why do can't it? you? It's, a, so, it's facts. Yeah. Do you um that that's actually a very profound thing to consider right especially now things are much easier to manage like mm -hmm. you i don't have to balance my checkbook right i have my bill pay set up and right. scheduled so That's i right. just gotta i'll pop in check out make sure nothing's crazy but it's relatively automated yes. when you look at it from that perspective right, right? Yes. and you know i'm a father of three mm -hmm. husband of one um, and so for for you to manage your household is also there's a lot of things that like for instance we live off a of Google Calendar mm -hmm. like my wife called just before you got here and she was like yo are you sure you put this entry in right because tonight we got to take my daughter to basketball practice right. I was like yo trust me it's good just follow right. what the calendar says right. and and these little things make life a lot simpler to manage right yes. back when you was coming up I mean cell phones just starting to come out when you was on the last legs of your career. I don't say that. I'm saying your basketball <laughs> career. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> I know. I made you sound like a dog going out, <laughs> getting put out. But um, but you didn't have no. the ease of of technology to really no. get a lot. So it's a little bit more understandable. But so I'm glad to hear that you're seeing these kids like really utilize technology and the different you know, services yeah. that are out there to, to make life simpler because you hear it all the time like you know these people make tons and tons of money and then a few years after they're done yeah where's yeah. the money yeah it's tough it's, it's tough. really difficult it's tough um you so you've you've seen a lot you've done a lot there's a lot of documented information about who you are and your journey right one thing that I wasn't able to find is like, you know, we know your basketball exploits. We kind of have a sense of the things you enjoy. What is that guilty pleasure that you have that not too many people know about? You a closet singer? Are you a rapper on the low? Like, nah, are you a chef that nobody know about? None like, of that. What? Uh, none of that. <laughs> none of that. Like, I can't even. I'm regular. Just a regular dude? Yeah. Like what do you I'm, do for fun outside of basketball? Man, 
Man, I'm like bored, boring. How, what's that mean? I mean, I don't. Like you just couch potato, I'm, like yeah. Basically, now you know. Before you know, you play, you hung out, probably right. did a little too much of that. Right, right. And but I got all that out of me. So at this point, it's not a whole lot. I'm my guilty pleasures are like watching my kids and making sure they're good, kind of following them. I kind of live through them now. My mm-hmm. two boys, my two daughters. Um, but I don't do. I don't. I don't really do a lot. Hang out with the fellas. Uh, but that's it. Like just, just well, I, that that kind of makes sense though, because you you were living this high profile life for so long, like that can get tired yes, after yes. a while. So this is this to you is exciting, but it's low key as hell. Yeah. Plus, I, I think I've I've ran my course right. <laughs> with with you know with with that life that lifestyle hanging out like I did all that. Right. You know what I mean? Like now it's like it's 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 the next phase. It's like me going from playing to coaching and now in a kind of a management yeah. position like it's just like the Part transition the yeah do you see yourself ever coaching again or do you think like the corporate route that you're on is potentially how you want to continue going i love what i'm doing i love being uh, a part of the nba uh i've i've learned to never ever ever say never mm-hmm. but i i, I love what you I'm enjoying doing. where you're at now yeah that's that's really good to know. Yeah. Um, do you have what's your biggest regret? I think you talked a little bit about not taking advantage of your degree when you were mm-hmm. in college years. Mm-hmm. Is that it, or are there other things that you? My biggest regret as an athlete, as a professional player, is probably not being as professional as I possibly could have been. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I think. I think coming into the NBA, especially back then, again, the league was different. You know, this branding and all this stuff, we, we knew nothing about that. Right. But I think I was more of a basketball player than the business part, you know. And gotcha. And, and, and I, I, I wish I could have taken more advantage of that or kind of grown into that. But I was New York basketball, and all I wanted to do was play basketball. Right. I didn't really want to be – a part of all the other things, you know, kind of incorporating myself, you know, yeah. I don't know, maybe getting to know the GM, really getting to know the coaches. Like I probably wasn't the most trusting person. So it was like, I want to do basketball and then I'm over here with my, my friends, my group. Yeah. And so I always say, I wish I would allow myself to be in other rooms mm. to kind of, again, to kind of aspire to do different things and kind of learn what what's all out here for the me. full three hundred sixty? Yeah, because I don't think I took advantage of that, you know, because I was so closed and so to myself and didn't want to be involved with certain things or, yeah. you know, I I was I never forget Pat Riley. We were having a Christmas uh, party, so he wanted all the players, he wanted all the players to be, uh, what he. He wanted us to answer a question. I forgot, but it was kind of goofy, yeah, right? Like and an icebreaker type of I situation. Forgot. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not doing that, right? So I'll never forget we went to the party, and everyone else had done it except for me. Yeah. So he puts the film on, and then when it gets to me, it goes black and white, <laughs> and it has this white little white young kid playing and he's dribbling the ball and he's messing up he's turning it over he's falling (laughs) (laughs) so he just totally made fun of me for not participating (laughs) but it was hilarious yo that dude's hilarious no no how did that make you feel you laughed or you was kind of I laughed no it was hilarious like (laughs) 
because I knew right what he was doing. Okay, what he was doing. This guy here. <laughs> <laughs> this was wait when you was in Miami. Miami. Okay, which was later on, but right. that was you know just those kind of things. I never you know I was like this. I don't want to do all. That. Do you do you attribute that? I mean, you mentioned it earlier, like you being a New York guy, because <clears throat> we walk around New York. We grow up in New York, and and we we insulate ourselves. It's it's a survival mechanism, right? So we we're not very trusting, generally speaking. Yeah. And and that is to our detriment sometimes, but more often than not, it's to our benefit because mm-hmm. if you're still in this environment, that's going to save your life more often than if you out there just like exp- allowing everybody you know in the street yeah. to be your buddy. Yeah, I think that that that's definitely the upbringing is a part of that. Yeah. You know, not trusting people, and and then I, I think what I had to learn too is you know in New York or like I said earlier about being authentic, you you. You have a way of dealing with people, and so you kind of want that same thing back. Yeah. But you don't always get that. Yeah, it's a fact. And just because you doesn't, you don't get that, that doesn't mean you have to like feel away. Turn about that, that. Away, feel away about that, right? I had to grow and learn about that. Like they can be like they are, and I just have to navigate myself but around. But that shouldn't it. change how you are. Like right. If that's genuinely who you are, you shouldn't necessarily expect it back. Right. And so that would be a turnoff. And then I'm done right yeah, there. Yeah, you cut that off. Right. But that's not it's not the way of the world. It isn't. But it takes it takes years for us to yeah. understand. I'm like I said, I'm pushing forty and I'm I'm just realizing in the last five years, like I've changed the way I am yeah. because I, I don't do things with with depending on others, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't wanna have the the expectation fail. Right. Because mm-hmm. if I'm saying if I'm extending myself and I'm saying, yo, I'm planning an outing with my boys, right? And I'm saying, yo, yo, let's go watch, let's go watch Rod play mm-hmm. at the Garden, right? I'm counting on them to join me. Right. I, I, sli- I simply flip it now. I'm like, yo, I'm going to go watch Rod play. Right. Here's the information. Here's how much the tickets are. Right. Y'all want to come? This ticket's available. Make sure you buy them by this time or right. they're gone. But this is, I'm going. Yeah. And it's such a subtle thing. But, a subtle but thing. when you do that, you don't put yourself in a situation where now you are potentially going to be let down. Yeah. And it's only going to be a benefit. If nobody shows up, you already came into that expecting that. Yeah, because you lose opportunities, right? Tons. Because you, I'm, I'm this way and I'm, I'm feeling I'm authentic and I'm feeling that I'm, you know, I'm going to be straight up. And then when you're not straight up, I'm not messing with you. But right. You can get around that, yeah. That you know, exactly. and still be able to create or do whatever you want to do. But if you stuck in in that, no, nah, yeah, it's it's a failure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Day. So you, so like we talked about earlier, you played in San Antonio, you played in Portland, you played. I'm only talking about the place where you spend <laughs> the most amount mm-hmm. of time. P- Portland being the one that you spend the most time collectively, but you also played in, in Washington. Yeah. I know this is probably an unfair question, but where did you find yourself enjoying it the most? If if it's not even one of those, it's fine too. But I imagine I'm always like, even in the worst, like, and I don't even want to say the worst, but the, the less least fa- least favorite. Yeah, like once you're on the court, it's fun, right? It's, I mean, I, and I'm and I'm not just saying that. Like, yeah. once you get on the court, like that's what you do. It's fine. Now, there's experiences because there's stuff that goes on in between, you sure. know, outside of the lines or what, whatever. But I've always – Portland was great because I played uh, for Rick Adelman. Really, Portland, 
I kind of started to to hit my stride in Portland. Okay. Right. Rick Adelman, he he started me posting up, uh, coming uh, off of screens. Like I I've, I've never done that before. I usually had the ball in my hands. So I get to uh, to Portland, and I never forget. I started posting up off a joke. Right. We were playing Muggsy Bogues, <laughs> and you know Rick Adelman was like. You think you can post Muggsy up? <laughs> I'll post Muggsy up without a doubt. And so we did it in practice. We ran a play. He ran a play. Yeah. Did it with, with you posting up. With me posting up. <laughs> but then I became a post up guard. You know, that's a, that's a problem for. I mean, at that time, that wasn't really. Oh a thing. no. I, so I, I became a post up guard, and then because Terry Porter was there mm -hmm. and he was the point guard when I came in, we kind of transitioned. He was playing a little more. Shooting guard. Yeah. But he had the ball in his hand, so now I'm coming off the screens instead of him. So I'm coming off the screens, shooting shots, getting in the lane. I hadn't really done that before. Okay. So that kind of opened up my game. Uh, and then I was there, and Jeff Petrie was there. He was the GM, former NBA player. And he kind of took a liking to me, and he kind of told me he wanted to help me with my jump shot. So in my when I went to Portland, I probably was in my fourth, fifth, yeah, yep. and I went and played in the rookie summer league, and I played with the rookies, and all I did was shoot jumpers. Voluntarily? Was yeah. that his recommendation? He, he recommended, okay. and I was like, fine. And I went there, and I shot jumpers the whole time. Now, Yo, I made that's, sure. That's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. Because you were a vet. Like, yeah, I was a vet. Easy for you to be like, nah, bro. Yeah, yeah, but I, I was like, fine. So tell me, wait, so you go play in summer league, mm -hmm. but you tell Pat Riley, nah, I'm not going to do the icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, but it was good because I went out there and I, every everything I did was a jump shot. But I also made sure I incorporated the young guys mm -hmm. so that they can show, you know, what they're doing. That's a huge, I mean, it's a yeah. reciprocal benefit because the young guys get to play with a vet. Definitely. And you get to hone your skill Definitely. on this new new opportunity. And I made sure I wasn't selfish enough to say that it was going to be all about me. Right. I made right. sure that they were incorporated and they were put in positions to succeed, and then I'll figure out mine, you know, as we go along. But that was but that's always shots. been you, though. Yeah. You always been a facilitator. Yes. I wouldn't say first, but you had no problem doing yes. it. So that's dope. That that never changed. That's always yeah. been a consistent yes. thread. Always. That's ill. Okay, so I, I my guess was going to be Portland just because when you had the opportunity, you you got back there yeah. um, after you spent a good amount of time there. How was it playing with Clyde and, and Terry Porter and those guys, like, and Arvidas? It was good, man. It was great. Actually, the first year in Portland, we had, like, they had, they had just lost, I guess, to the Pistons, right? Because they lost to the Bulls first, then the Pistons. Yeah. So I, I, I got with the team – after they lost that second championship. Okay. But everybody was there intact. But, you know, obviously you losing two, you know, you're kind of coming down a little right. bit. But we also, they got me, and then they they acquired uh, Mario Eli. Okay. So it was me, Mario Eli, Cliff Robinson, and Mark Bryan coming off the bench. So we had nine. Like, we were deep. Yeah. So there was some excitement. You know, because I'm coming from starting, and now I'm coming off the bench. So the first, we went 8-0. Like, I really thought we were going to, like, this was going to be a big year, mm. and Clyde Drexler got hurt. Mm. And that kind of changed everything. And, you know, we were good, but with Clyde, we would have been yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but it was a great experience. That's when 
the kind of me and Terry Porter kind of changed because I think when Clyde came back, I, beca- I, be- I became the starter. Okay. Terry Porter came off the bench. Then Clyde got traded to Houston, and then it was me and Terry Porter playing mm-hmm. together. But it was a it was a great time in Portland. I had some great players, some great guys. You know, we made the playoffs. We were competitive. Uh, so yeah, it was great. And Rick Adelman was the best. How how do you comp- so you mentioned Rick a couple times? I know you Larry Brown was one of your coaches uh, <laughs> at San, in San Antonio. Um, La- Larry can be a polarizing figure. Right. Um, I, I, I haven't heard that about Rick Adelman very much, but um, I, I wouldn't call Larry a player's coach by definition. But you experienced it. What was your take on, on being well, coached by him? Rick Adelman, definite player's coach. Right. Uh, I mean, even our shoot-arounds were really shoot-arounds. Okay. Like you just shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was just different. And his mindset – he he always tried to make people comfortable. Like I never forget, I was we were playing in the playoffs against Houston one year, and I was struggling in the beginning of of probably the first first game of the series. He pulled me over. He said, "I don't care how many shots you miss, you better keep taking them." You know, so he was that kind Damn. of coach. Now Larry Brown, who's a great coach, and obviously won a championship with Detroit, mm-hmm. he was able to take them over the top because he's that kind of coach. Mm-hmm. But he's the type that he could love you one day and not like you the next day, you know, or try or want to trade you. Like he just he's he's fickle. Do you think do you think he does that? Is that in his nature, or do you think that's like a psychological kind of? I think it's in his nature. Okay, that's just and it may be that too. It may be a combo piece. But this is nature. Yeah, like he's always trying to figure things out. He's ready for change if it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, but he's a great, great special coach. You know what I mean? No, there's so, no denying that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the great ones always have some BS to Something them. going on. Yeah. Um, I, I want to take it back to you and Calipari because Calipari is regarded as kind of like, you know, touted as like the one-and-done guy, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or the one that embraced that that culture. How How different was it when – that got rolling and got rolling a big way. I think Kentucky probably is where you really saw it like mm-hmm. um, escalate. And you being a part of that staff, were you all in initially? I mean, I guess you kind of have to be if you working with him. But like, did did that at all conflict with the way you came up and your morals and beliefs around basketball? No, because he was only talking about one and dones for kids who were one and done. You know, I mean, it's changed now somewhat because. There's more kids who, who want to go that route. Who want to go that route, right? But at that time, it was just a select few, uh, and you believed in them, like John Wall, yeah, Demarcus Cousins, like, and even Eric. See, Eric Bledsoe wasn't considered a one and done. Nobody said he was going to be a one and done. Mm. It just happened. Okay. So that's why I think the one and done, I guess, Hype. yes, has kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know, kind of distorted what it really is. Okay. Because the one and dones were supposed to be for one and dones. Like, if you're really that good, you leave. Got it. You know, Eric Bledsoe, no one thought that. As the season went on, everybody was like, who's that? Mm-hmm. Wow, he could go as well. You know, so it was different. So Cal never just came up. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I mean, I'm sure it's a recruiting tool, 
but it was like guys who you really, Derrick Rose, Tariq Evans at Memphis, like they were one and dones. Yeah. But, you know, they were really one right. and done. Yeah, I was, mean, they were official. Right. right. Now it's it's a little different because, you know, everyone's thinking they want to be a one and done or they can be a one and done. And everybody's obviously everybody's obviously not a one and done. Were you privy to because Calipari, his his tenure as a coach spans different universities. But were you privy to the con- uh, the conversations or, or the experiences that led to like that that coaching style? Because even in this case, you've got your select few of one and dones that you're recruiting that you kind of have an an idea that they are one and done centric, right? Or or potentially could do that mm-hmm. and then you got the rest of the team that you have to build out w- was that i mean at some point that became like the plan but there was an evolution to that how did that actually manifest were you around when that kind of well oh and let me say this dewan wagner was the first one and done okay so let me not forget my guy because <laughs> he was the first guy okay cal he he's the guy who brought cal back you know uh, like he, he he was the he was the beginning of that one and done okay situation but I don't know I, I I think it just was gradually right because you know like Wani was one and done who was it Tariq was one and done then Derek was one and done but mm-hmm. that was just one individual player sure so then when we went to Kentucky right before Kentucky we had that great recruiting class where you had uh, John Wall DeMarcus Eric Bledsoe we had Darnell Dotson who was a Juco shooter and it was one more guy who wound up going somewhere else. I can't remember his name. But so once we got to Kentucky, we had that group. And so it was five guys who left mm. from one team, right? I think Daniel Orton was actually, that's another guy. He wasn't considered one and done. Okay. But he became a one and done when Cal came and we brought that group you together. You had that big group, yeah. So, you know what I mean? So we had four freshmen and then Patrick Patterson. So it was some. It was a big hype about five guys going first round. Right. So a combination of that and then the one and done guys kind of started the hype machine. Gotcha. And then from there, you know, you got Brandon Knight, you got Anthony Davis, you got Michael Gilchrist, Terrence Jones, who was two years, Deron Lamb, who went two years. But you know, you started bringing in those type of caliber players like in bunches. Yeah. Okay. Um, if we go back to when you were a player, you had this amazing ability to finish at the rim and rarely, if ever, get blocked. Now, I was looking at tape. I noticed you would swipe the hand away <laughs> from most cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's, you extend, there's you putting the hand out, but sometimes you just be like, No, that, I could have done that. Yeah, I've seen it. So <laughs> Pretty I, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I did that off arm. I used a lot. Yeah, and and there was moments where I'm looking and I'm like, nah, this is he's gonna get eaten up, and that thing just yeah. kisses the rim and uh, the backboard and it goes in. I'm like, yo. Yeah. So I had to, I had to get in there a little bit, do some fidgeting with the video to see what's up. But it's it's amazing, and I know Shaq when you were on uh, on TNT with them, <laughs> he brought that up as as one yeah. of those things. It was like, yo, I I could never, yeah. you and a few other cats, I could never block. <laughs> I'm sure that was like a survival mechanism from back in the playground days when you was trying to keep your team going. Is that kind of the well, foundation I mean, of that? Well, it starts from playing in New York City right. in the playgrounds with the double rims, oh. you know, and then the wind, 
Damn, right? So man. your jump shot is that's tough. Yeah. So now I'm trying to get to the basket and and then you kind of well, I was a Dr. J fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like big time. I was yep. a George Gervin fan. You know, Isaiah Thomas. So, you know, George Gervin was the finger roll. Dr. J, you know, he to the hoop and spin it off yeah. the backboard. So I kind of just tried to emulate those guys and put a little more flavor on it. You know, I used to study that backboard, you know, with, with both hands, you know, twisting it up on different parts of the backboard, uh, you know, and making it go in using English. And it got, and I always tell people, because I studied the backboard so much, like when I got fouled, I can go in awkward like yeah, positions going to crazy. the basket yeah. because I know all I got to do is hit a certain spot. So I don't even have to face the basket, right? right? And then if I get fouled and I get bumped off, I'm throwing it up off an angle and it's going to touch a part of the rim and it's going in. That's serious. So, you know, I studied the backboard. Then I also learned that you go at someone's chest, like a big guy, you don't give him room to block his shot. So I'm going to go at your chest and I'm going to take away you know, yeah, all the space, ability, yeah. and I'm going to put it in, and then I may come up and show you right, finish left. left. You know, so I had different things that kind of trick, and then I also had the little runners, and then I could f- George Gervin style it up before I get there. So I just had different, and then I could come up and pull up and shoot the little mid-range. mid-range, so now you got to come out, so now I can get an angle in. So I had different, like, I, I had different ways to attack a mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. You uh, and if we take it back a little bit, Kyrie Irving, right? I know you talk about it a lot. I find, and I'm gonna approach it slightly differently because I know his father was a stellar athlete, and and I know a lot of people like to give you credit because there's a lot of similarity in the craftiness. Mm-hmm. I also do know that his father was a problem, and um, yes. I know you found out about how good Kyrie was a lot later mm-hmm. than you could really impact a lot his game, right? Yep. Outside of him watching tape and trying to emulate. Right. You, I know you didn't have a ton of, like, hands-on early. But I look at Kyrie, I look at you, and I, what I love about that relationship outside of the bond you guys have is I love the connection it creates to help the younger audiences that watch the game connect to the older, right? And so... Ross Strickland doesn't get forgotten because he's being ushered into this new era with Big Kyrie. Time. And and so people will now look at that and you know study tape and, and really get to know all the great things that you've been able to do. I find that to be uh, a breath of fresh air because yeah. of that. Because it's very easy for you, for us, fans of the game, to forget about people that we're not constantly seeing that's just human nature like out of sight out of mind i think it's a beautiful thing that you know you're kind of being pulled into the relevancy of today Mm -hmm. by that relationship do you find that to be the case like are you approached by people all the time that way No, absolutely i think i I need to give kai and and dredrick dredrick a check (laughs) like no i mean it, it has helped i think also the fact that i was in college basketball Right. Helped, and I was at Tons. Kentucky, and I was right. with Cal. But then Kyrie, you know, because someone's always kind of referencing, or you know, there's a video of the two of us, or people see that we both kind of use that backboard the same. Yeah. So I think it's helped helped for me to stay relevant. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's a great thing. 
uh, because I, you know, I sit around, I admire Kai. Like when I when I watch (laughs) when I watch him play and his movements, you know, someone asked me, and it may have been his father, who I think dribbles better or some, and I'm like, it's not even close. Mm. Like I was a reactionary dribbler. Like Kai just plays with people, and then he he makes them making them dance. Like his, yeah, like it's it's just a whole different level. Uh, but to have the opportunity to watch him grow, to know his background, to know his story, to know Pops, and to understand his game, and to understand his father's mentality, mm-hmm. right? So when I see Kai, that mentality is like, like when I'm looking at Kai, I'm looking at Dejan. Yeah, you see the second coming of right? his dad. I, the way he walk, the way he talk, you know, the, the way he goes about his business, as smart as he is, like that's... That's pops. That's pops. That's pops. Uh, I'm not gonna ask you too much about his thought process because I feel like a man should answer his own questions. Yeah. So I'll save that for that that opportunity when yeah. it comes. But how do you feel? He had well, they say he had the opportunity to play for the Knicks. We won't get into the speculation. Mm-hmm. But now he's in New York. Mm-hmm. He's he's playing for for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. How how does that make you feel? The proximity now, you can see him whenever you want, more consistently. What do you think it's going to be as far as his legacy? If you could predict down the road, this move that he just made. Well, I just, first of all, I just wanted, he's in a space that he wanted to be in. Right. He had the opportunity to pick where he goes, and that's all you can ask for. Hmm. So you know he's comfortable uh, with his decision. He's back home. He has family and friends here, obviously. He's in, he's with a great organization. Uh, you know, they've... They overachieved last year. Yeah. Now they have two superstars. You know, one will, won't be around this year. Yep. But they have two superstars to look towards the future. I don't think there's two more dynamic players, you know, because now I like it. I, I'm loving the NBA and I'm waiting for the season because now it's spread out a little bit. Right. Now it's not triples, it's doubles. Doubles back to doubles. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But when those two are on the court and 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 they're healthy, I mean, what are the two are what are the two that you could give the ball to? What other combination and be super comfortable they can get their own shot, mm-hmm. right? Dynamic, you know. Kevin Durant is a seven foot point guard. <laughs> Facts. You know what I mean. So you have two point guards, you know, and they both can score at will. Yeah. At will, they both have those mindsets. Competitive. They both feel like. You know, they may have something to prove or, like, this is a new destination. They've been in these other situations. People have probably questioned some things. Now they get to come together. Uh, and I think I think he's comfortable, and that's all that matters. Um, you know him. You know him well. <clears throat> Given all you just described, is this year going to be like do, – do you feel like he takes this as, like, I'm going to shut – everybody up type like is that how he thinks and processes and competes i don't again like you said i don't want to yeah okay i don't want right. to i don't right. want to answer that You're question right. for him You're right but i just know he's you know he's a competitive guy okay. like his mindset is just different yeah so if what what is rod do like what do we have to look forward to as far as rod i know know you're doing things with the NBA, but like outside of that, like what are some things that people can look forward to? You have the tournament that you do every summer. What yeah. are some things that people can expect? Uh, well, just, I mean, I have my nonprofit, Young Athletes Inc. Yep. You know, I have the Kyrie Irving uh, 
I mean, Kyrie Strickland tournament during the summers, the months of June to August. We have baby ballers right now going on up in the Bronx. Uh, we have the Kyrie Strickland AU teams okay. uh, uh, coming together. Um and and that's 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 about it. Okay, you stay you stay in basketball circles. You're not that's I love not going basketball. away. I, I mean, now I get to watch basketball all the time. You know, from the professional level all the way down to middle school and even down to the eight year olds. You know, my tournament is is what is it eight and under, ten and under, twelve and under, fourteen and under. Mm. So I get a chance to to watch parents go crazy over there, eight, <laughs> ten, and twelve year olds. So it's been great. But, but not I'm you, though. You stay even killed. I stay even killed. They look at me. They want to curse me out and everything. I turn the other way. <laughs> I don't see them. <laughs> Yo, Rob, man, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I really appreciate you joining us. No, and I know we could go on for hours, but I really appreciate um, all you had to share, man. I mean, this was it's an honor for me. And uh, no, I, I hope you wear that T-shirt with pride. No, I got you. I'm aware. <laughs> I, I like this t-shirt, but no, I appreciate you having me. All right, my brother. It's been good. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribble and Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.